0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: Hey there, happy weekend. Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride with you for Arrowhead Pride best of the week. It was a great week of coverage at arrowheadpride.com as we get ready for Sunday night football 7:20 p.m. Arrowhead Time Chiefs and Ravens. We'll start this episode with the guys from Out of Structure, Matt Stagner and Ron Kopp as they discuss what they learned about the Chiefs offensive line, their new look offensive line from game 1. We'll continue on around the 13-minute mark with the Arrowhead Pride editors show myself and John Dixon breaking down the snap counts from Chiefs and Browns. The Great British Chiefs show around the 20-minute mark takes the first look at the Baltimore Ravens. We continue around the 28-minute mark as Show and BK think that the Ravens have no chance in this game. We'll see if they have a jinx situation going on on Sunday. And we'll finish up around the 43-minute mark with an interview of Travis Kelsey. He talks about how him and his brother Jason had... The rare opportunity to do Super Bowl parade speeches in front of their respective cities. Not a conversation you're going to want to miss, but we're going to start where we always do on Monday with the guys from Out of Structure.
2: Yeah, I mean, this has been the story of the offseason, right? Is this offensive line, the rebuild, the three rookies starting. I mean, this was really what everybody was here to see. And we knew that this would be a tall task uh, against the Cleveland Browns and a really good defense with a lot of talent on it. So I think expectations should have been a little bit tempered for the opening game. I think this this offensive line is going to take a little bit of time to gel. You've got some players developing here. Overall performance, you know, I I thought it was a mixed bag. I thought there was a little bit of uh, uh, pressure on the edges, especially Orlando Brown, uh, that maybe gave up uh, some additional pressure uh, above and beyond what we should have expected from him. I think the stability we expect to see on the left side of the line, you know, is uh, it should have a little bit higher expectation probably than, than the right hand side of the line. And I think the running game was not quite as good as we would have liked. And then we'll talk about that when we get to Clyde. But there's a there was they left some some things on the field. I think there's some some stuff we'll see on film this week that they'll work on uh, in terms of of run blocking uh, and, and pass blocking as well.
3: Yeah, to extend this conversation, let's just throw out a question from Derek Langford on Twitter. Uh, besides a couple sacks given up, one of which may have been due to Mahomes' tendency to take too deep a drop on third down, as I as I mentioned a little earlier. How well did the offensive line perform, and is there anything you saw from our front that we should be excited about in the weeks to come? So let's use this opportunity to kind of look at the numbers from the game, uh, courtesy of PFF. They're the best way to get offensive line stats because there's not really any other place that keeps offensive line stats. And I will say real quick, uh, we are supposed to be getting some coaches film again on Game Pass. Hooray, I'm sure hoping so. I know they've kind of uh, said they were going to get it by the regular season. So. But uh, if, if we can get some coaches film, I'll definitely have a breakdown on the offensive line. I'm really looking forward to watching them from a, from a coaches film angle. But. So let's, I'll run down the, the stats real quick from PFF, and, and I'll let you react to those stags. Creed Humphrey had a clean game. He had no pressures allowed. He had the best pass blocking grade on the team. Now, center is a pretty—it's an easier position to to look good and pass blocking because you're never—I I think I've mentioned this before—but you're never really one on one. You're always kind of helping more than you are just taking on a guy by yourself. Trey Smith, to his right, had the second best pass blocking grade. He had one pressure, and then Joe Tooney had a. You know, didn't have his best game. He gave up pressure as well, and he, and he also had that holding call that that took away a, a big play uh, early in the game, Travis Kelsey getting down to the two-yard line on a pass. It was an iffy holding call, um, but he, he was grabbing a little jersey. I think it just was one of those things where he was kind of isolated, and the refs were able to see it pretty well. And then Niang and Brown uh, both gave up a sack each, and 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 so Mahomes was sacked. Although, as we mentioned, you know, Mahomes kind of might have been able to get the credit for that one. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, th- I think it was an up-and-down game for the offensive line. Do you have anything else to add to that?
2: No, I thought Trey Smith looked pretty good. Um, he didn't – I think there was at least one pressure he gave up, like you said. But, uh, but overall, I think he held up well. Uh, and, obviously, uh, Creed Humphrey in the middle, you know, was, was pretty – Pretty steady as as we've come to expect from him already. There's this, he's not even a question mark at this point on this offensive line. It was really about the edges, and I think getting used to Mahomes' drawbacks um, and, and Mahomes playing that right um, certainly could have stepped up and helped them out a little bit. I didn't see a lot of help for the offensive line. I don't know if you noticed a, a lot of tight ends or, or chips or or extra help. They generally don't don't do a lot of that on the edges. Um, I don't think these guys got a ton of help. I think they were put out there against, you know, the arguably the best edge rusher in the league without a lot of help in game one, you know, he was bound to get at least one big win, uh, but he didn't wreck the game. And I think that was the biggest thing you can say for him is that as much as they, they battled, there was no um, – there was never a feeling like they were outmatched and that they were never going to uh, be able to move the ball because of the offensive line.
3: Yeah, real quick, so I got two things on that. So first of all, you're right. There wasn't a crazy amount of help, but I will say we did see – they did use a play action where they they play action fake the running back to the side where they want to chip, and and he goes and hits the defensive end on his pass rush rush path. They did that a few times, but maybe not as much as we'd like. And then the other thing, uh, going off of our over-unders from last week, I don't know if you noticed, but on the Mahomes scramble, Trey Smith absolutely demolished a dude and put him into the dirt so that's one pancake. We're, we're up to one pancake on the year, and maybe there was another one that I missed. But uh, yeah, if you go back and look on the Mahomes scramble touchdown, he absolutely buried a dude at the goal line. It was great to see. And that's what Trey Smith's going to be. He's going to be a real highlight player this year. But go, moving forward, we're going to focus in on the left tackle a little more. Adam Harney at A. Harney 1020 on Twitter. Do you think that Orlando Brown struggling is a cause of concern or just a result of going against Miles Garrett? And I, and that's a legitimate question. Stags, do you think we should be worried about it right now? Or is this just kind of, you know, Hey, you're going against the best player in the league. This is bound to happen.
2: Yeah. We had a similar question from Iceman uh, at Lieutenant Tom Kazansky on Twitter uh, feedback on Orlando Brown. He, he indicated, he thought Eric Fisher performed better last year. You know, I came away from this game thinking that not much had changed from last year is for all the things that did change. This result and, and the way the game felt was pretty similar to the outcome that we have seen in, in in previous years with Mahomes. I thought this offensive line performed about like previous years offensive lines have. Uh, I don't know that they were dramatically better. I don't think Brown was dramatically better or worse than Eric Fisher. I think there's I think there's pros and cons to both guys. I think they're both uh, uh, good players with uh, with some limitations. I do think Brown this may be the worst game uh, of the season for Brown, or at least we can hope so Uh, per Mike Renner of PFF on Twitter. He gave up five pressures, which would be his career worst in in an NFL game. Uh, So I think that Brown Brown wasn't terrible, but I don't think he was as good as we should expect from Brown. So I think he'll be better going forward. Uh, But this, Line as a whole and the left tackle position the right tackle position were at least on par with what I thought we've seen from uh, the chiefs offensive line prior to the Super Bowl <laughs> last season um I, th- I think this this team the arrows pointed up still on the offensive line
3: yeah no, that's a really good point actually I'm, I'm, uh, that's a that's a great point because I do think the offensive line was was all right you know almost average and i think that's what we've had in kansas city for a while now i think they've been able to get away with average offensive line play one because mahomes is so dang good but also because andy is really good at play calling to protect his offensive linemen and not put them out to dry so yeah i I think that's a good point um i i I think brown the other part we got to keep remembering is this is his this is his first year and a pass-heavy, you know, kind of pass-first offense. In in Baltimore, you're not getting a lot of true pass sets where you're where you're getting enough pass sets to have five pressures, you know? I mean, he just probably didn't have a lot of opportunities to even get that many pressures uh, to go. So. so we've been talking about all the pass blocking with the linemen, but they were also run blocking as well, and they were run blocking for one particular back who got the bulk of the carries on Sunday. That's Clyde Edwards-Elair, a former first-round pick, our guy that we've all been excited about all offseason, and we'll start off uh, talking about his day with Steve Soper's question on Twitter at Steve Soper. Uh, he just wants, he just wants to know an evaluation of Clyde's performance and the run, run blocking together. He just, he just kind of mentions the running game still not there. And he also mentions that Clyde ran in the blockers, missed cutbacks. Oh, that's, that is your notes, Stags. That's a little uh, behind the scenes right there. Uh, reading too much uh, Stags. Why don't you go into those notes you had on the run blocking and Clyde's performance? Maybe we'll love that part
2: a little bit too, but uh all right, so Clyde has been my guy all along,
3: and it pained me a lot
2: when I had to write the winners and losers this week. I put Clyde down as a loser largely because expectations are so high. Edwards Laird had his moments. I mean, he had 72 total, to get total yards, which is not terrible, um, but it's also not as dynamic as we had hoped. They got him involved in the passing game a little bit. They got him involved uh, in the second half uh, and had some more success there. I just noted overall, I feel like he left some yards on the field. He ran into some blockers. He missed a couple cutback lanes. Didn't have a lot of room uh, to run, especially in the first half. It seems like things got clogged up pretty quickly there. So we weren't seeing the giant blown open holes like we had, like we sometimes hope when we talk about a more powerful offensive line, more of that gap scheme, uh, our hope was to see, some more open lanes and, and some more, uh, some more running room for Clyde. And I don't know that we saw that from the offensive line. And then even when we did, I'm not sure that the, uh, as uh, the kingdom, R.J. Weaver 127 points out. I don't know if the vision by Clyde everton was quite uh, as good as we had hoped.
3: Yeah, I got to agree with you and the kingdom uh, there. I, I do think it seemed like a couple times when there was pretty good run blocking, he did tend to run in. I, I, there's one particular play where if he would have bounced outside, there was a lot of room, and it just seemed like he kind of stuck himself right bu- right behind. I think it was either Trey Smith. It, w- it was one of the guards. But, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I was kind of disappointed maybe a little bit with how Clyde performed. Now, I will say when he gets those dumps offs in the, dump offs in the flat, it's not the first defender has never taken him down. He, he is very good at making that dude miss or getting a few extra yards after he, after he's gotten contact, and maybe they drag him down after that. There was one particular play, it might have been in the first half, honestly, I can't remember, but it, it, I think it was a pretty important first down conversion, and he, and he basically missed, made two guys miss to get it. So that was really important to see. So, and, we'll, and he'll see better run lanes you know, as we move forward, not just with the offensive line getting better, naturally, obviously. But the Cleveland defensive front proved to be very good. I, I will shout out one particular player who, crazy enough, has not played since 2016 in college malik mcdowell I, he's he got in a wreck or something one of his first years of his or i think in his rookie year and then he also had some other off-field issues that that caused him to kind of go out of the league but now he's back and he was a first round pick back way back then for a reason and you saw it then he actually beat orlando brown on the first play of the game to get a tackle for loss on clyde Edwards-Helaire. so yeah i think we're going to see the offensive line is going to have worse opponents to go against in terms of run defense so we'll see this rush offense get better for sure
1: Let's dig into the snap counts and what we learned about the team first and foremost, John.
0: Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to emphasize and talk about only the offense here. That's only that's as far as I've gotten into the detailed snap counts we use for our analysis. Um, But there were several things that were interesting about it. Obviously, uh, we expected uh, the offensive line to include three Rickies. That's what they started for week one of the season. They all played all the snaps. Um, all of the backup offensive linemen played except for Andrew Wiley, uh, but they got their snaps in on special teams except for Mike Remmers, who was in for that one play, the, the tackle-eligible play that the Browns blew up. Um, the other interesting thing that I think we saw in the offense uh, was at running back, where uh, obviously uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the bell cow of the offense, But he was on the field for the same proportion of running and passing plays. We haven't always seen this. Sometimes we have seen the lead running back uh, used more often on running plays than on passing plays. But Edward Zolaire, Williams, and Jarek McKinnon uh, McKinnon behind him all were on the field for pretty much the same proportion of running and passing plays. So what that tells us is that the Chiefs are... tells us Andy back... Reid is,
1: is reading your
0: SnapCount article.
1: I want you to stop right.
0: revealing it. What, what this tells us that at least for this game, the Chiefs weren't putting a specific running back out there on the field in a passing situation because they felt that the normal running back couldn't handle it. So this suggests that they are trusting Edwards Hilaire Uh, as a pass protector protector, and also that they're using him in the passing game more than they would have in previous seasons. So I I thought that was one of the interesting takeaways. Yeah, I love when the data matches the press conference
1: because sometimes you get out Mm -hmm. of the press conference and you're like, are you sure that you really trust Clyde (laughs) Edwards-Alaire to pass protect? But the numbers do show that. I thought it was interesting here, John, with the, the Demarcus Robinson number, we were wondering would the Chiefs finally replace Robinson and some of the snaps that he got with Byron Pringle, but it looked like it was uh-huh. in the forties to what Byron Pringle having 11 or 12 snaps there.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and again, you know, you pay attention to how they are used in running and passing situations, which we can do with the data that we get uh, to do this, which is different than what the NFL puts out in the game books, which is what you typically see. Right. Um, both. Hill and uh, and Robinson were used pretty equally on running and passing plays, but the reserve wide receivers were used mostly on passing plays. So, uh, you know, what that tells you is that Hill and Robinson are the starters at this point, and everybody else is behind them.
4: Yeah.
1: Interesting. I really didn't expect that in watching training camp, but the Chiefs continue to trust Robinson who for years the coaching staff would compliment as to knowing the playbook. So, again, we are speculating here from pure numbers, but Iron Pringle, who knows if maybe he has a complicated time learning what would be everything Robinson does. Uh, McCole Hardman actually had less snaps than Robinson. I know that, John, you're still working on the defense, but pulling up the game book, I thought it was telling – both from a year by year comparison, Bolton the gay, and then Bolton the Neiman just in general, you don't have Willie Gay in this game. Bolton outsnaps Ben Neiman 45 mm-hmm. to 40. And so mm-hmm. that shows that the coaching staff really had trust and really saw enough to throw him into the fire in this game.
0: Right. And I think when we finally get the snap counts uh, data accumulated and written up on Arrowhead Pride, you're going to see some interesting breakdowns on how those linebackers were used in running versus passing situations, but we haven't gotten there yet. Uh, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. Normally we get this information, this detailed information that we use for our snap counts analysis on the day after the game. But for reasons that are yet unknown to us, it's been delayed this year. And we are, we are uh, arguing with the NFL to get it out sooner for (laughs) the next week.
1: (laughs) While we're complaining about the NFL, we have a wide variety of individuals as part of this Arrowhead pride team. Ron Kopp, Lives in America, Tom Childs <laughs> lives in the UK, and Tom has access to the All 22 at this point. But Ron, our lead analyst, still dealing with the broadcast film. What is going on, NFL? What is that
0: about? Goodness this is
1: supposed gracious. to be worked out in the preseason.
0: What are we doing,
1: NFL? Okay, that's enough complaining about the
0: league. Well, cover. Ron has one advantage that Tom doesn't because Tom, uh, Ron was actually at the game. No accent. You- oh. Okay. Yeah, because it, which Tom, of course, was not living in, in London. But Ron was not only at the game, but he actually appeared briefly on television, yes. uh, which was very funny for us because it, it, in our little private Slack chat uh, among the Arrowhead Pride staff, it blew up the minute he showed up on TV. Was that Ron Cop? And it turns out that it was. I believe they've been
1: discussing us on Twitter. So if you want to see Ron yeah. Cop mm-hmm. in full yeah. fan form, great analyst for us. But he yeah. went full fan on Sunday. He's jumping around at the game, part of what was a very loud Arrowhead Stadium that really yes, impacted the game, especially on that punt. Perhaps we'll get into that in our marinated takeaways in segment three. Ron came at me after the game. Game ends about seven thirty. Says, I'm I'm thinking about writing an article tonight that I didn't hear from him. And he told <laughs> me that he got food poisoning from the Arrowhead Stadium. Oh, booth. really?
0: Oh, that oh did no. Not
1: that video on CBS did not look like someone with food poisoning. Luckily, Ron can't comment on this until next week's Arrowhead Pride out of structure. Uh, I'm sure he'll have something to say about that. But he does a great job. He had a great article for us up this morning uh, discussing um, what was Chris Jones's comments about this game, Mike Hughes's comments about this game. And we love Ron, great member of our Arrowhead Pride team. He is indeed. We'll be right back on Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week. It's a great weekend to be a Kansas City Chiefs fan right here on Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week. Right now, we'll continue on where we said we would with the Great British Chiefs Show, followed by Sean BK, followed by that one-on-one with Travis Kelsey. Here's our friends from across the pond on the Great British Chiefs Show.
5: Obviously, we saw the, the run game was quite effective against the Chiefs. Uh, by the Browns and we're against another run heavy team, really. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we would have been if uh, they were all fit and healthy. Um, yeah. The the main threat really is obviously going to be Lamar Jackson because he still looks elusive from what I saw mm-hmm. in the game against the Ra- uh, the Raiders. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still a little bit jittery about this chief's defense, especially the run D um, and, to see somebody like Lamar Jackson, the way he moves. Are you not a little bit scared about this, about no. this matchup?
6: No, I'm not. <laughs> not at all. No, we've seen it three times now. And i the first one, okay, in our head in 2018, this really early in Lamar Jackson's Ravens career. The second one, in our head, the Chiefs disposed of Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. quite easily. The one last year on Monday Night Football, the Ravens were the team to beat at the time. They were hotly tipped to beat the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. What happens? The Chiefs stopped Frank, uh, The, the Chiefs stopped Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has said in the past that the Chiefs have a defence, which is his sort of kryptonite. Did you watch the Ravens the other night? They weren't very good on offence. Like Lamar Jackson had the most Lamar Jackson stat line of all time. 217 passing yards, 86 rushing yards and one touchdown like who's that going to be if it can't beat Derek Carr and the Raiders is it going to be Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs not no 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 chance yes yeah. they can run the football but again it comes down to converting running football into touchdowns and can they keep up with Patrick Mahomes in terms mm-hmm. of scoring Derek Carr threw for 409 yards against this Ravens defense 409 from Derek Carr What's Patrick Mahomes wow. going to do to it? Like you, You've seen the touchdown from Monday night, the game-winning touchdown. They zero blitzed Derek Carr. Imagine zero blitzing Patrick Mahomes. And we know the Ravens love to blitz. They blitz more than any other team. And what has happened every single time that they have blitzed Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes has killed it. He's either dropped back further, further than normal to give himself some room to launch a deep ball to McCole Hardman, who's beating Marcus yeah. Peters, all hands up. Marcus Peters, who, by the way, isn't playing next week because he's injured for the year. I just don't see how the Ravens are wired to beat the Chiefs. They should hmm. have concentrated on trying to beat them, but they haven't. They, they still play the same sort of defence. They're still trying to let Lamar Jackson run it all. They're still trying to run the football. And I just don't understand why they got some wide receivers but they're not using them. Yes, Sammy Watkins got four receptions for 96 yards, but again, that's not going to beat the Chiefs. That I just I just feel like the Ravens are one of the worst positioned teams to beat the Chiefs and I just don't understand why you don't try and build to beat the Chiefs like the Buffalo Bills are trying
5: to do. I suppose it's different with the Ravens uh because especially for Spags, he's going to be uh, he's going to have to just scheme really for the run game isn't he really? I mean, there's
6: this, I mean, for Lamar the Browns. Jackson.
3: they, they, they yeah,
6: exactly. Lamar Jackson. That's all it is. They make exactly. sure that they've got the two guys on the edge setting decent edges. So Lamar can't escape around the outside and they're bringing guys through the middle. That's all it they yeah. We've done every single time. If Frank Clark, if Frank Clark plays on Monday night, Lamar Jackson isn't going to be a factor.
5: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Just comparing, obviously, what I was going to go with the Ravens and obviously the Browns, Uh, the Browns had that other level, didn't they, where you knew there was wide receiver threats there and you Mm -hmm. knew there was a quarterback there that would be able to get the ball to them, which he did. We saw that with Baker Mayfield. But obviously with Lamar Jackson, he's not really that willing to pull the trigger. His first mindset is, I'm going to run this thing and I'm going to run it wherever I need to, whether there's a gap. And I suppose the the Chiefs only have to really kind of scheme for that really don't they that's that's the main threat that's what i'm basically trying to say is the ravens main threat is lamar jackson's run game
6: yeah of course yeah because it offers something completely different that most teams can't do like we all watched yeah. pilot murray on sunday and look how much he tore about the uh tennessee titans but the tennessee titans are a terrible defense running quarterbacks are an issue they they are a problem because it's like you drop back and you always have to keep an eye on the quarterback because you, you want to play man coverage, but as soon as you turn your back, they take off. Like The Chiefs have successes in it as well. When teams turn their back to Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's still an excellent runner of the football. And Lamar Jackson is obviously a little bit better than Patrick Mahomes running the football, but not too much. Patrick Mahomes slightly underrated when it comes to running the football. But to your broader point, yes, they do have to scheme for it. But at the end of the day, it comes down to scoring points. And when the pitch gets a lot shorter, when they're first and goal from the nine yards, whatever, and the Chiefs mm-hmm. have such a smaller uh, bit of field to defend, that's when the Chiefs defense comes into its own against running quarterbacks because they can just leave guys up there and attack the line of scrimmage. And I just don't, I just can't see a scenario where the Ravens put up enough points against this Chiefs defense to keep up with what the Chiefs are going to inevitably do to that Ravens defense.
5: Yeah. Um, I just wanted to mention uh, a couple of threats that I think there would be on the uh, the Ravens side, on the defensive side. Um, we saw some a uh, couple of players that actually got sacks against the Raiders in uh, Patrick Queen mm-hmm. seems very good. And uh, per- uh, per- per- Pernell McPhee as well. Uh, two linebackers there that look decent. But I also want to bring up the, the fact that we've got a couple of Chiefs returning, former Chiefs returning. Mm-hmm. Sammy Watkins and Justin Houston. Mm. I didn't realize he went to the Ravens. That was such a surprise to me when I saw him. When I saw him, like I think he, did he get to? I think he got to Derek Carr, did but he, he didn't quite sack him. And I was like, what? What the hell is Justin Houston doing in the Ravens? <laughs> What's he doing there? Is it something that the Chiefs really have to look into there? Because obviously Sammy, Sammy Watkins, former Chief, he seems to be from the stats. He seems to be their number one right, wide receiver at the minute. Um, he's got the most yards. He's obviously had the most, um, you know, um, catching attempts and all that. Um, are they going to be a, a, a factor in this? Obviously, knowing how the Chiefs play, are they going to be able to bring anything over to their new team and say this is how the Chiefs will run that? And do you think that will be a factor in that as well? I think more so in Sammy Watkins' case, not in Justin Houston's case.
6: He's never played in this defense. He, he got that no. guy go before Steve Spagnuolo. Was yeah. brought into the building um, to hit, or, or very similar time in any way. He did never played under him. Let's put it that way. So Justin Houston isn't a factor when it comes to our oh, revealing the cheese playbook. That just doesn't that doesn't matter. Sammy Watkins maybe a little bit more. So he might be able to walk over to uh, the Ravens, DC, and say, "Oh, this is what they like to do." But we're talking about NFL coaches here. Like they about practice. They, <laughs> they they're already sitting there watching the film. Like if that was the case, then every single person that gets cut by the chiefs would be picked yeah. up because i'll oh, come over here let's let's hear the playbook come on let's 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 reveal their secrets their dirty secrets bring them over here i don't <laughs> think it's necessarily a thing i think they've got enough film guys enough scouts out there that they, they know what's going to happen or they at least can educatedly guess what's going to happen they don't really need sammy watkins input for that on the field yes sammy watkins is going to be an issue he's a good player He's a good player. We could have done with a Sammy Watkins type player on Sunday because we certainly didn't have that on Sunday. Um, yeah. And going forward, we're going to need someone that could at least offer the production that Sammy Watkins was offering the Chiefs the last couple of years. Is he going to be a factor on Sunday? Yeah, he might get his. But again, I keep saying it, I don't think it's going to matter because mm. what Patrick Mahomes and this offense are going to be able to scheme up against that Ravens defense. On Sunday night or Monday night, they like to double team Darren Waller. That's who they seem to focus on. They can do that if they want mm-hmm. to against Travis Kelsey. But if they're going to pair that with blitzing, leave Tariq Hill one on one, leave Demarcus Robinson one on one, leave Macaulay yeah. Hardman one on one, and the offensive line manages to hold up in pass protection, then it's going to be it's going to be awful for the Ravens, Steve. Mahomes is going to tear them apart.
7: The Ravens will never beat the Chiefs. It's interesting that you say never. I.
8: I don't yeah, know if I'm willing yeah, I'm, to go I'm there. Strong. I'm strong. I don't know if I'm willing to go there with you, but I think their best chance to do so was probably in 2019. And and the reason why I say that is because the Ravens were running real hot in 2019. And I'm just not sure they're ever gonna run that hot again with Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. And the reason why I say that is because in that season they were incredibly healthy. Lamar stayed healthy all year long. The offensive line had incredible continuity that year. Your receivers stayed healthy for the most part that season. Mark Ingram was the best version of himself. You had Gus Edwards for all 16 games. All of your weapons that you expected to have, and I'm not saying they were otherworldly weapons, but all of the guys that were a part of that offense that made it what it was, they were all available, healthy, and at their best in 2019. We've already seen that's not the case in 2021. That was not the case for much of last season. The offensive they just lost line- another
7: cornerback this week. <laughs>
8: And on offense, like their offensive line is decimated right now yeah. with injuries. They could be without both guys that started a tackle for them last year. One of them is not playing for the Chiefs. The other one very well may not play on Sunday against Kansas City. And you're looking at Alejandro Villanueva, who was cooked on Monday Night Football against the Raiders. He's probably going to be playing left tackle for them on Sunday. So when you say that the Ravens can't beat the Chiefs, I tend to agree for at least this year. And I think in general – Their formula for win is just so limited against this team. Defensively, they love blitzing. They are the team that just, they can't get enough of it. If they've got a cover zero idea, they're going to throw it at you. And you saw that all game long against the Raiders, especially late in on that game-winning touchdown, they went to it once again. And when I say cover zero, I mean nobody that's over the top. No help over the top. It's just man-to-man across the board and blitzing eight dudes typically. Well, against the Chiefs, Mahomes is going to dice you up if you decide to do that. You're going to have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey one-on-one. Okay, good luck covering those two one-on-one. And Patrick Mahomes is going to find the open dude. He's going to find the hot read. And boom, it's over for you defensively. So they don't match up well defensively. Their offense, if they do get behind, as you mentioned, does not have the ability to keep up with Patrick Mahomes in a shootout because they can't throw the ball that way. The Ravens formula is very simple. They get the lead. They maintain the lead with their running game. And against the Chiefs, that is not a formula for success, especially with the defense that they have. Could it happen if weird stuff happens from start to finish? Sure. Weird stuff happens sometimes in the NFL. But in a typical game script, nah, man, this is not the matchup
7: that the Ravens want to see. I mean, boys, we've watched the Chiefs play bad games against the Ravens and, st- <laughs> and still win. Like that, like that game where Pat had to – Patrick had to end up throwing some that crazy fourth down pass to Tyreek. They didn't play good that day. They still beat them, and the Ravens, like as you said, man, they're just not built to play this team ever. I mean, because they what was it? What was the first time they played? John Harbaugh just came in and said, "We're going for every fourth down," and he was playing Madden football. We're going for every fourth down, and that's the kind of stuff they got to do. And then they play right into the Chiefs' hands, and next thing you know. They just get punched in the face and it is 14 to, to 3, or it's 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 20, 17 to 7, 21, 7. And now you gotta stop them every time, and then you gotta score every time, but then you gotta score the way that you don't score well, and that is putting Lamar put the ball in Lamar's hands. Like I i was saying this earlier this week, BK insert it and Lamar to me is the NFL version of Ben Simmons, right? Like there's some things you can do to build around him. He's got some really, really good skills. And I think you can win with them. But the, the one thing that he seems to struggle with is that real important thing for his position and something that he hasn't improved a ton since he's been in the league. Then that's that like throwing the football thing, you know, like throwing the ball outside the numbers, like the, like first downs you have to get to at some point in the game for every quarterback, especially with the offensive line that the Ravens are trotting out there and the running backs they're trotting out there. Devontae Freeman's been reinstated. Good luck with that. Uh, Eventually, it's going to be third and eight, third and nine, third and seven. And Lamar's got to drop back consistently and make those throws. And let me tell you something, my man can't. And I want him to work. I want Lamar. I'm a fan. Mostly. I'd like him to get vaccinated, but that's another thing. I'm a fan. But I would I would love for it to work, but it just can't. He's not gonna consistently make those throws. And then if he doesn't do that twice, that's probably 14 points for the Chiefs. Oh. And that's a ball game.
9: I I, I want to get to Lamar Jackson. I don't know why you just sideswipes Devontae Freeman. You know how many injuries the Ravens' backfield has suffered. They hey, got Le- no how did he right beat now. how did he beat Le'Veon to the That's point. how bad Le'Veon is now. Apparently, that you Devontae know the answer Freeman to that question. Is- <laughs> Devontae Freeman is just down for the it's. Or Le'Veon Bell's just down for the count, apparently. He has no business being on an NFL roster. Sideswipe
8: that man. This man really asked him. why didn't Le'Veon Bell beat him out? You I saw Le'Veon play I'm last year. You know that. exactly how.
7: But Devontae, I don't, Devontae doesn't have forearms. Like, <laughs> like. This. That that injury's coming. I mean, he's gonna <laughs> he's
9: gonna break. A I mean, form.
7: there's no way he's gonna
9: get in the mix. I I, I don't think he's gonna be. What,
7: what, what do you mean? Made? No way. What what are they gonna go with that Tyson got, Williams? Got, yeah,
9: Tyson Williams looked good. Latavius Murray had a touchdown he, on Monday. He, he Latavius, have,
7: did you say look good? Or are you just saying things?
9: Like ten carries he,
4: for I twenty-eight said, said, yards.
9: Tyson Williams looked good. I didn't say Latavius Murray looks okay. good. Latavius. Yeah. Tyson also Williams.
8: created the fumble and missed the block that led to them losing the game. I I don't know, man. Though, like, I don't care about those things as much. Maybe because I care about the explosive ability that he had. I'll be damn sure that those coaching, uh, that coaching staff cares about that stuff. Like missing a block that leads to sacks. Yeah, that's that's yeah. something that John Harbaugh is yeah. going to care about. He had that's 35
7: yards on one carry and then, and he had 65 for the game. So like, I mean, let's, <laughs> let's,
9: well, let's yeah. reel it in on Tyson. Yeah. Okay. But they got to reel in their expectations for him. He's the third straight running back. What do you expect? You're not going to get much better out of Devontae Freeman, but, To the Lamar point, I saw Lamar, at least in my opinion, on Monday night, kind of carrying that Ravens offense where he was getting no protection from his offensive line. He's down to his third four string running backs and Sammy Watkins is the best wide receiver that he's got on the roster and Mark Andrews just didn't show up. I totally agree with you that this Ravens team cannot beat the Chiefs. And that the best team that had an opportunity to beat them was the 2019 team, because that was the best version of this Ravens team. This team's just not in the same ballpark as the Chiefs, in my opinion. See, like- th-
7: this is the thing, though, with Lamar, because like you, you're, you're painting half the picture. Right. Like you're I mean, you know, Lamar had those, you know, two turnovers that, you know, that he likes to have because he's loose with the ball. And then he probably could have turned it over multiple other times because he's loose with the ball. Uh, And and that that really hurt them. Like if he didn't turn it over, they'd probably at least sit here with a tie at the end of it. Um, But but it's just dude. When But but it's how they how he has to be carried that the Ravens offense would be carried. Now, if we're getting carried here and Lamar's up here around 150, you know, 120 yards rushing and, you know, and he's gotten a couple of play actions and he's gotten to hit Hollywood Brown or Sammy, let's just be honest, man, who knows if Sammy's going to finish this game, but if he's got them down the field for deep balls,
9: he's, like cooked. That, he's, that, he, he's week one. We are, uh, we already know the story with Sammy,
7: but that's a difference with Lamar is how he's being able to carry them. Like, in the in, against the Chiefs, the odds that Lamar is able to carry the team the way they need him to carry him are going to be slim because they're not stopping the Chiefs. They're not stopping the Chiefs as soon as I mean, I, as soon as they get it. I mean, they like I said, they had another corner go down. Marcus Peters already out for the season. I mean, I mean, it's it's this just this matchup is just awful for them in every so- single way. So you
8: mentioned the Ben Simmons comp. I apologize for non-NBA fans. You probably know this player, though. I actually think there's another comp that makes, a, for me, a little more sense for him. My comp I think he's Russell... good enough. <laughs> uh,
5: <laughs>
8: I'll tell you why you're wrong now, Ron. This it feels, oh. like, it feels like this
7: one's actually going to be better than my comp. So let me write this down because I'm going to steal this one. He reminds me of Russell Westbrook. Yeah, that's pretty like, good. Russ is the
8: guy that looks hey. his best – <laughs> when he doesn't have the best supporting cast around him. When was the year that Russell Westbrook was the MVP? It was when nobody else was on the Thunder. James Harden was gone. and yeah, Victor gone. Again, the year that, that was nobody really else is on the Thunder. And the reason is because he was the one that was highlighted. And we weren't talking about his deficiencies. We weren't talking about the fact that his team won like 45 games that year and had no chance of competing for any sort of title. It was just fun to watch him because he's different. He's unique. He's athletic in a way that very few basketball players are. The same is true of Lamar. Lamar is a limited football player, but what Lamar does well is unlike anything I've ever seen in the NFL. I've never seen anybody that plays the way that Lamar Jackson does. Michael Vick is probably the closest thing, but even that's a little stylistically different than what we watch from Lamar. Lamar is a strange combination of running like this this modern offense that I didn't think would work in the NFL, but he does so at such a high level and he is so unbelievably elusive that he makes it work. And the Ravens are the rare team that actually bought into what he does and they made their entire offense built around it. All of that's great, but there are limitations to it. You get into the playoffs and we've seen what he does, whether it's against. I think the first one was against the Chargers and then it was against the Titans or any game that he plays against the Chiefs where we know what it's going to look like. He's going to throw for like 200 yards. He's going to rush for 100, but a lot of that's going to be hollow because it comes in garbage time when the Ravens have no real chance to win. He's going to have moments in this game. I will never forget when he was, I think it was Alex Okafor who he broke his ankle. He broke his ankles. He had to. He's going to have another one of those types of plays in this game. It's going to happen. But
7: they'll be down 17 when it happens.
8: And that's exactly what happened last time around. So Lamar, great player. I'm not trying to take anything away from him because that dude is special as a talent. But there's only so high for the ceiling for what he's trying to accomplish when he plays in the same conference as Patrick Mahomes.
7: You're, you're right. I, I think Russ Russ at least has attempted to get better as a shooter. Ben just doesn't even try. So that that, that, that is at least... But I mean, Russ looks. Russ probably shoots the same way he did coming out of UCLA, and Lamar looks like he's at Louisville when he's throwing the ball. I mean, I just, he's, I mean, he still seems the same, the same guy. Don't shake your head. I mean, he he couldn't hit Sammy Watkins for a four-yard throw. He hit right in him, front he of
9: Watkins down the field for a forty-yard gain, and it was a beautiful pass.
8: It's just inconsistent. He, he's inconsistent then, with it. That people don't yeah,
7: don't so think about it. Is
9: ninety ninety percent of the quarterbacks in the NFL are inconsistent. Lamar's okay, at least well, exceptional yeah. at one thing.
7: Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but but then it's easy. Well, okay, let's make him throw. Let's make him throw, and we've got an offense that's going to force him to. And the, I don't know, man. It's it's it's. I I don't I don't feel nervous at all, or to think I'm jinxing or one. Oh, I'm telling you right now. I said it to you guys before. If the Browns played the Ravens ten times, I could see the Browns. It, it, I could see either one of the teams winning six six games. I mean, it'd be it'd be an even. If the Chiefs played the Ravens ten times, like I, I'd be shocked if the Chiefs didn't beat them nine times. I think it's at eight least Browns personally. God, I, I just, I think that the thing that's sometimes disappointing. I don't is- respect you as a person. I just know. Like- <laughs> Just gonna put that out there,
2: Steve.
7: <laughs> it's, not, it's not personal. I think like it can be, but I just that's just where I am in my walk right now. So, so sometimes I just don't respect you.
1: Change centers this past off season, going from Rider to the draft pick Creed Humphrey. Uh, at any point, did you talk to your brother and and think that there'd be a a possibility with what was going on in Philadelphia with you guys linking up and him maybe coming over to here to Kansas City and and see. Uh, if you guys could play together as pros does that ever come up between you guys oh,
4: man it uh, i know i dream about it i don't know if he ever you know thinks that oh let me leave this philly market that i've loved and adored ever since i got into the league and how how they've accepted my brother and being you know that uh that poster child of who philadelphia really is you know that brotherly love city um i think he he embodies that city uh perfectly so i don't know if he's ever thought about coming to kansas city but i know i've always had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to play with him in the National Football League, knowing that we played in high school together and in college together. So uh, it crossed my mind. But I mean, it, he's a hard guy to let go. I don't know if you saw the game this past weekend they had against the Falcons, but he yeah. was out yeah. there bulldozing through some guys and then running around like he was like he was 25 all over again. I like Jalen. I think Jalen is probably an underrated talent. So he's in, in good shape
1: there. You guys are are two of the talented brothers in the NFL. And what's unique here, and this is crazy, but you both have had, I would say, outrageous Super Bowl speeches. What is the conversation like as, as you talk about him in his Sultan outfit and, and you and your championship belt as you're talking? Who do you feel uh, did the better job with their Super Bowl championship speech?
4: I'll, I'll give it to Jason. I'll give it to that. <laughs> mine, mine got a lot more hype than it probably should have. I mean, don't get me wrong. I went up there and gave him my all and had some fun on the mic. Uh, Probably threw around a few words I shouldn't have, Um, but it's uh, it was a blast being up there in front of Kansas City when I did it. So I I, I don't hold any anything back or um, I don't regret it at all. But I do. uh, I do think that what my brother did on that stage that day was uh, was pretty legendary with the outfit and then the way he spoke to Philadelphia and embodied the city and got everybody to rally behind him. That was a pretty special moment. I remember watching it and I was just in tears of joy and happiness. And I was laughing my at the entire time because um, I've seen a speech like that out of Jason uh, a, a few times and uh, they're, they're all, they always take your breath away and make you get you fired up.
1: What was cool about yours is Andy Reid always talks about you guys and constantly gives credit elsewhere, and uh, you made sure to to mention that he's been waiting 20 years for this, something that he would never
4: say. And so I, you know, I thought that was really cool to to kind of allude in what Andy Reid meant to the team. Man, what a guy, man! We when he got to Kansas City. Um, this place immediately got better. You know, it was it had a great. It, Starts with the with a leader up top, right? To to be able to bring in a, in, in somebody that uh, that has a support system to be able to lead men and women into the into the right direction and motivate women or men and women in the right direction. And it's just you know it's a it's a very cool uh, cool experience to be with such a great great coach, uh, knowing that he's done so much for my my ability on the field and 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 how I've progressed in my career. And then every single week, uh, dialing up plays uh that put me in the best situation to have success. So it's just I'm always appreciative of the big guy and really all of my coaches in that in that matter.